This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Just gone 11 minutes past two on a Wednesday afternoon and therefore it is time for Judaism 101.9. Great to be back in your company. Apologies for not having been with you last week. Um, short trip to Israel for a simcha, for a wedding, which was very, very beautiful. Just quick in and out and um, apologies for having missed out on our Wednesday afternoon date at uh, just after 10 past two every um, Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. Great to be coming to you live today from our beautiful, cool studio in an otherwise hot Johannesburg and um, to share some thoughts with you on Judaism 101.9. What I thought of doing today, um, being that we've been speaking about various Chagim and um, so on um, a couple of weeks ago, speaking about Tu Bishvat and, and etc. Um, today, to get back to a kind of a course that we ran for many weeks last year, but perhaps just to pick up on one or two um, ideas within that course that we didn't touch on or maybe didn't touch on enough. And uh, we were doing a whole series on prayer, on davening, on the various different prayers that we say, and we switched then and went on to Shabbat prayers. Um, I'd like to speak to you today a little bit about Kiddush, and if we get there, or perhaps extend it into next week, um, Birkat Hamazon, Grace After Meals. What is Kiddush? Why do we say it? How is it said? What's it really all about? And perhaps to give us um, a little bit of an insight or some directives as to our behaviors in and around these various parts of Jewish life um, on Judaism 101.9, because it certainly seems to me that there has been a little bit of a falling away of um, correct posture and correct behavior when it comes to Kiddush and um, Grace After Meals, Birkat Amazon, whether it is at public functions, whether it is at Kiddushim, um, the brachas that are held in shuls um, or in private domains, in private homes, or uh, whether it's just our... A possible lack of understanding of what we should actually be doing when it comes to Kiddush and it comes to Birkat Amazon, it comes to the grace of the meals in our own private homes when we are making our own Shabbat meals or, for that matter, um, any other meals um, on a Yom Tif or any other meals during the week when Birkat Amazon is said. But let's begin perhaps with Kiddush because that is our springboard from um, our uh, prayers of Shabbat. We come home from Shul. Um, on a Friday night, and the first thing we should do is make Kiddush. Now, um, because I guess the mores of society has dictated that um, usually when you arrive at a venue today for a simcha, or uh, whether it's a bar mitzvah, whether it's a wedding, whatever it is, there are kind of hors d'oeuvres, there are cocktails, there are first drinks that are held, and only then does one sit down to the main meal, only then does one go to the table and um, actually be seated in your correct place. Um, I think you'll agree with me that this has been the style for many simchas um, of late, and um, perhaps something that works very well. It certainly is and does make a very, very fine kind of a celebration, a fine kind of a function. Is this appropriate? Is this correct when we're talking about Kiddush? When we talk about Kiddush on a Friday night, is it appropriate? Is it correct for a Yom Tov meal, for a Shabbos meal in the home? If we take a look very carefully at uh, the halacha, and we take a look very carefully at the practice of um, Jews from time immemorial up until today, we'll see that actually 
it is inappropriate. Actually, the idea of Kiddush perhaps gave a... Um, um, it was the forerunner for the idea of having cocktails. I wonder if that's not actually where it came from, because the very first thing that is supposed to pass our lips um, on a Friday night or on a Shabbat after we have finished Musaf is the wine from Kiddush. We should not be eating or drinking anything else before we actually do that, before we take um, a sip of the wine, or if you're the one making kiddush, drinking the cup of wine, that has to be done not just on the Pesach Seder night, where we know that we adhere to that probably a little bit more so than at other times, because it is part of the Seder and part of the Haggadah, but it actually applies to every Friday night. It actually applies to every Yom Tov. It actually applies to every Shabbat and every Yom Tov day when we talk about the making of Kiddush. The only variation is that sometimes Kiddush is said in Shul and then sometimes followed by a kiddush that is said at home. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. But let's just get the principle correct. The principle of kiddush is that it should be the forerunner. It should be the um, ultimate in hors d'oeuvres. It is the very, very first thing that we do, whether it's on a Friday night, whether it's on a Shabbat, is that we make kiddush. And the idea, of course, is that we're sanctifying not only the meal, but we're sanctifying the day. And therefore, it precedes everything else. We should not be partaking of anything, not even a drink of water. Until such time, of course, unless there is uh, desperate times or unless somebody is not feeling well, um, where there will always be that exception made for all mitzvot. But in a generally usual, normal uh, kind of a person, an individual, we should wait for Kiddush on a Friday night. We should wait for Kiddush on a Shabbat morning or on a Yom Tov evening or a Yom Tov morning. We should always wait for Kiddush before eating or drinking anything. Before we have a sip of, of, of juice, before we have a drink of water, before we have that cocktail that you're offered as soon as you walk in the front door of your host's um, um, home, we should not be partaking of anything else other than Kiddush first and foremost on a Friday night or on a Shabbat. Um, that is the modus operandi of uh, an instruction from Judaism 101.9, no matter what. And so therefore, once we've got that right, we'll start to understand, I think, the object of Kiddush. I've noticed, and I'm sure that many others will agree with me, that um, unfortunately this kind of thing um, has slowly eroded. It has fallen away a little bit, and maybe it's out of ignorance, maybe it's out of... Maybe it's out of the fact that um, uh, people are uh, imitating or mimicking what other people do. And we've got to be very careful that we adhere to not what other people do, but rather what it actually says that we should be doing. And we should be learning from those who are observant and those who are um, who do adhere to the rules and regulations, the laws, the minhagim, uh, the customs and practices properly and correctly um, in order to have the kind of modus operandi um, that we hope to take on board and we hope certainly to teach our children. First and foremost, you come home on a Friday night, Kiddush should be said, before anybody, no matter who it is, eats or drinks anything. After that, um, once we have um, started the meal, um, and we'll talk about that um, a little bit later on, once we have started the meal, one may offer drinks, one may uh, pass around pass arounds, you can do whatever you wish, but Kiddush should be said first and foremost. For, first and foremost. Back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with 
with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So while we're talking about Kiddush, the sanctification that is said over a cup of wine on a Friday night, on a Shabbat, on a Yom Tov Eve and on a Yom Tov Day, the sanctification, that Kiddush, is very often also said in Shul. And how does it work and why? Is it said in shul, and what are the different customs? Well, I think that if you look around at modern shuls today, you'll find that there are probably at least three prevailing customs for kiddush in shul. Um, and particularly, let's talk first of first of all about on a Friday night. There are some shuls where kiddush is said in shul as part of the service. So before the end of the service, before the end of the davening on a Friday night, the chazan will stand and say kiddush, or somebody will stand and say kiddush in shul. <coughs> and that's the time very often where they'll call over little kids or somebody else to come and drink from the wine. What is that kiddush all about? Um, and the second practice is that kiddush is not said at all in shul on a Friday night or on a Yom Tov Eve. It is never said, not at all, and the kiddush is only said on a Friday night when one returns home. The third practice that has come about because there are many people who do not go home and make kiddush is that some shuls, some rabbis, have found it uh, necessary to make kiddush in shul, but not to make kiddush in shul where the kiddush is just said as part of the service, but where it's actually part of a brocha, a kiddush Bracha, and everybody in South Africa knows what we mean when we say bracha in America or overseas. They would call it a kiddush, where the kiddush is said, and there is actually something to eat that goes with that, um, even on a Friday night, and most often on a Shabbat morning or a Yom Tov day. So why, where does it come from that kiddush is actually said in shul at all? Because kiddush, the sanctification of uh, the Shabbat, was something that um, we learn in Jewish law, has to take place at a meal. It says, Ein kiddush ella b'makom su'uda. Kiddush should not be said except at a meal. And what is a meal? A meal means that we're going to wash, make hamotzi, or at least eat something substantial. Mezonot, um, cake, um, meat, fish, whatever else it is that is eaten. Kiddush should only be said where it is accompanied by a meal of some sorts. The minimum, by the way, um, of a meal that one is um, allowed to eat, strangely enough, is to drink a glass of wine. Um, a glass of wine, according to halacha, was considered to be um, satisfying for the body enough to be considered in and of itself as a meal. And so the kiddush wine is drunk, and then after that, another glass of wine, um, if there is nothing else to eat, that would constitute actually a meal and fulfill the obligation of having kiddush, b'makom su'uda, kiddush at the place of a meal. So because we're not eating a meal in shul, or usually not eating a meal in shul, um, how does it come about that kiddush is said on a Friday night um, in shul? Well, there were times when people used to live in shuls. There were wayfarers, there were passers-by. Most shuls of old had um, some form of accommodation for people who were passing by, whether it was a room where uh, wayfarers, lodgers, passers-by, people had nowhere to go, could actually spend some time there, whether they were beggars um, or whether they were uh, just people who couldn't get home in time um, from their business trip. They would spend some time there in 
the shul. The shul became the hostel, the hotel, um, the B&B, um, the place of residence for those who were passing by. And therefore, there arose a custom that Kiddush was said in shul, it seems, for those who were staying in shul. So the chazan, the chazan, the reader or the rabbi would make Kiddush on behalf of all of those people so that they would at least hear Kiddush uh, before they went off to their little meal or their lunchbox or whatever it was that they managed to have with them um, in order to eat and uh, fulfill the mitzvah of hearing Kiddush and of having Kiddush at their su'udah, at their meal in shul. Now, there were many who believed that um, this um, actually has fallen away through time. I don't know about your shul, but um, in most shuls, there are not people who actually live there. But there arose certain debates about this practice. There were those who said it became a minhag Yisrael. It's become a custom of the Jewish people, and therefore it should not be dispensed with. It should be said still, and therefore we're going to keep it in the liturgy. It's going to be part of the Friday night service because it became a practice, and a fine practice um, it certainly was. Then there were, on the other hand, those who said, we're not going to leave wayfarers in shul. If there are passers-by, we've got a very hospitable shul and community, and it never arose that there were wayfarers who were left in shul. Passers-by were always invited home. They were taken to the homes of the congregants or of uh, the rabbi or of the chazan or whoever else it was who was capable and able to invite them home. And uh, therefore, they were not left there, and they would hear kiddush in their homes just like everybody else. And then on the other hand, there were those who said, that the idea of Kiddush has tremendous, now listen to it carefully, it says that the saying of Kiddush has tremendous healing powers. Yes, you heard it, healing powers. Our sages teach us that the saying of Kiddush has healing powers, and therefore, why deprive people of the opportunity to hear Kiddush where some in Shul may not hear Kiddush or where uh, some in Shul may be deprived of it or some in Shul uh, may not hear it correctly, make that Kiddush out and in public and aloud. And then, of course, there was the opinion of the Orzarua, uh, Rabbi Yitzchok of Vienna, 13th century disciple of Rabbi Simcha Vitri, who himself was a disciple of Rashi, the great Rashi, who actually taught that um, the main purpose of Kiddush in Shul was simply the proclamation of the holiness of Shabbat and that that should be done in public. It should be a public pro- proclamation, much like any of our other prayers that we are stating publicly. We are hereby publicly sanctifying the Shabbat and the fact that it's not um, ap- uh, it's not an appendage to a meal, um, he regarded as not as significant as the fact that it had to be said, it should be said in public. So whichever is the custom in your particular community, in your particular shul, Kiddush is very often said um, in public on a Friday night um, or on a Shabbat morning in shul itself. Does that then fulfill the obligation for Kiddush in the home? And most would agree that it certainly does not. The chazan, the rabbi, whoever it is that is making Kiddush in shul, needs to go home. He uh, says his Shalom Aleichem. He says the Eshet Chayil. He then makes Kiddush. And certainly, if there are people who have not been in shul um, in order to hear the kiddush that was made in shul, even if there was a brocha attached to it, a kiddush, a little light meal attached to it, kiddush needs to be said at home. And um, the rules and regulations of not eating and drinking before 
obviously take hold and the moment you have completed whatever it was that you were eating or drinking in shul and on your way home um, it, it uh, regenerates the need for kiddush to be said at home and therefore to refrain from eating or drinking anything before you have heard kiddush at home and the kiddush at home is said and is obligatory on men and women alike everybody should hear kiddush and um, women Traditionally would hear Kiddush from their husbands, but if there is no man around, a woman herself needs to make Kiddush. And Kiddush can be said um, over a cup of wine, <coughs> preferably, first choice, cup of wine, preferably a good wine, preferably a wine that is palatable. It does not have to be the classical Kiddush wine. It became known as Kiddush wine if it was nice and sweet and that it uh, had about a 52% alcohol. Only kidding. Um, a very high alcohol rate. The sweet of the wine um, sometimes um, goes. and um, But it needs to be wine. If it is a kosher wine, Kiddush can be said over it and should be said and can be said in public. There are many different customs as to how that Kiddush is said. Many people will dispense of uh, wine beforehand. Seems to be that um, the most correct way is for the reader, the leader, the head of the household to make Kiddush over the cup of wine and then from his cup to either pass around or pour off um, for others, but not to dis- not to um, uh, put out wine for everybody at their places that they all drink from, and he's making kiddush over one cup. The cup over which kiddush is said is the cup that has been sanctified, and it's from that that you would like, if possible, that everybody has a taste. Each person making their own bracha, borepri hagafen, borepri hagafen, on uh, the wine that they are then drinking. If one doesn't have wine. Second choice in the lineup is to actually use the chalot, the chalas, the uh, kitkas, the loaves of bread that you hopefully have on your Shabbos table. Kiddush can be said over them, and then one would simply go to wash your hands for a motzi before, say the full kiddush, and instead of saying borei priagafen or borei priagafen, you would insert a motzi lechem in haaretz in the middle of kiddush, and then complete the kiddush, and then eat the bread immediately afterwards. It seems something somewhat unusual because most people don't do that, but um, that is second choice in the making of kiddush. Um, but it should be said at home. People should listen. They should um, participate in the Kiddush by listening. Um, one does notice that there are those who cannot stop um, uh, talking, comparing notes, speaking to somebody um, who's near them. When Kiddush is said, it is very, very essential. If you want to be um, covered by the Kiddush that is being said, that one does not talk for the duration of the Kiddush, and until such time as you have tasted from that Kiddush, or started your meal, one should not um, engage in conversation. There should be silence. It should be respectful. After all, we're sanctifying the Shabbat. And it's not just sanctifying the Shabbat. As we said before, it is saying Kiddush, which we have said, had great and wondrous healing powers. And if that's not enough, it is about the proclamation of the fact that Hashem created the world and dedicated Shabbat to be the day of rest for himself as well as for us. It is a day of great holiness and a day of great respect. And therefore, that respect and that holiness needs to be something that we feel in an awesome, in a positive, and in a beautiful way in order to fulfill the objects of making Kiddush on a Friday night and on a Shabbat, on a Yom Tov evening and on a Yom Tov day. So once we have made that Kiddush, once that Kiddush is said, 
Immediately thereafter, um, we then participate in the washing of the hands, going to wash, make hamotzi, and the meal. But what is the Friday night Kiddush all about? It is quite amazing when we take a look that the Zohar tells us that Kiddush on a Friday night contains no less than 70 words. 70 words in the Friday night Kiddush, did you know that? And in fact, it's divided into two parts. And those two parts are exactly equal. Two parts of 35 words each. 35 words in the first part, the Yomashishi, right up until the Brocha Priyagafen, and 35 words in the second part, the Sanctification Bracha. Now, what is so significant about that is because if you take the number 70, and you look in numerology, in gematria, it adds up to yud, yud, nun, which is yayin, which is wine. Wine is depicted by the 70 words that are in the Kiddush on a Friday night. We say the Kiddush on a Friday night, first of all, paying homage to the creation of the world. So the first part of Kiddush is the Vayachulu, the Vayachulu Hashemayim Va'aretz that we actually speak about, Hashem completing the creation of the world and then resting on Shabbat. And yes, most of us get this image of Shabbat is Shabbat of rest, the idea of rest being that we lie down, we have a good shlof on a Shabbos, and that that is the uh, quintessential idea of rest. The idea of resting was not as much the idea of relaxing or having an easy time or rejuvenating oneself. And, of course, that can all be read into the concept of resting. But the idea of resting on Shabbat was refraining from work, was breaking away from everything else that one was involved in (coughs) in order to spend time, in order to have a day that is dedicated entirely to a holy um, communion, a holy togetherness, with Hashem, a holy togetherness with one's family, a holy togetherness with learning and with doing all the wonderful things that make us the spiritual beings, the spiritual creatures that we are. A time that we dedicate to our souls rather than to our bodies, a time that we dedicate to um, uh, life and a time that we dedicated that we dedicate to the beautiful and wonderful concepts of uh, Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, in a much greater way than we could ever possibly do when we are busy with the running around the proverbial rat race of um, um, chasing a buck, of making sure that we are involved in every aspect and every dimension of business and everything that comes with it. Shabbat is all about this island in time when we break away and when we state that this all came about When Hashem created the world, he set that pattern. It's a pattern that we were gifted with. It's a pattern that we were honored with. It's a pattern that we were blessed with, the idea of keeping Shabbat and making it holy. And the second part is the idea, therefore, of making that time holy. Let's remember that we too need to make it holy. It's not just Hashem who made it holy, but it's us who needs to make it holy. And therefore, to take it seriously, to refrain from um, making it a little bit of a um, a non-entity, or, dare I say, it's time to time even a little bit of a mockery. Um, we need to make sure that it's got the right pride of place in our homes, in our hearts, and at our Shabbat tables. Back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So the Kiddush that we make on a Friday night consists, as we said, of two distinct parts, or perhaps even three, because the first one is all about um, how God designated Shabbat to be the day of rest. 
Vayachulu, and uh, the completion of that sixth day, and then Shabbat, on which Hashem rested, and the sanctification thereof. We then say, Borei Borei we say the bracha on the wine, which comes like in the middle there um, of um, these two segments, or these two parts of Kiddush. And the idea of wine um, is a throwback to, or should certainly make us think about, the various stages and um, marks within Jewish life where wine is used, and predominantly where we talk about Kiddushin, where we talk about where we are mekadesh, where we sanctify a man and a woman uh, together to become a married couple. And the idea of the wine and the sanctification that takes place under the chuppah is um, in many ways reminiscent of the idea of the sanctification as we sanctify their, their home. So we're sanctifying Shabbat and the home within which that Shabbat is taking place. And similarly, the bride and groom, we know, fast on their uh, uh, wedding day until such time as they drink from that cup or they drink from that wine. Similarly, we in inverted commas, fast until we drink from the wine of Kiddush. And that Kiddush is taken seriously. And what we're sanctifying there, what we're thinking about, is the idea of creation of the world. Yes, creation of the world created not only Adam and Eve and the idea of the marriage in uh, Gan Eden, but it created um, Shabbat as well. And God gave that Shabbat as a gift to us, um, to the Jewish people, to be able to uh, keep Shabbat, to remember it, to keep it holy, to make it holy. And then the second part, therefore, of the Kiddush is praising God and thanking God for having chosen us, Asher Bachar Banu, that God chose us. He chose us from all amongst all the other nations of the world, and he chose us not because we are better and not because we are prettier, but he chose us because we said we would do his law, we would keep to the things that he wanted us to keep to, because he chose us to perform his Torah. He chose us as this kingdom of priests. He chose us to make us holy and together with Shabbat to make the world holy and to make time holy. And that is the praise that we actually um, state and that we are involved with in the second part of Kiddush until eventually we conclude Mekadesh Shabbat. we thank God for having made Shabbat holy and it's at that stage that we drink from the cup, that we ingest it, that we imbibe it, that we take it and we enable that cup that we have sanctified that cup that symbolically has blessed the Shabbat, that we allow it to pass into our very beings, into our bodies and of course once it has done that, it passes into our souls as well, if not uh, perhaps the other way around, we have heard it it has passed through our souls and then into our bodies as well, reaching down into the lowest part of our um, of our beings uh, the physical, the material in order to elevate, in order to change in order to improve, in order to uplift and in order to make everything and anything um, that we come into contact with holy um, a thing of Kedusha, a thing of holiness and this is what Kedush actually accomplishes it accomplishes all of that and then some. And so we ensure that on a Shabbat we take Kiddush seriously. We wait for it. We praise it. We look forward to it. We hope that it's not just the starting blocks after which we spring into action in order to eat and uh, be, drink and be merry, but rather as something that is the essential part of um, the, sh- the whole Shabbat uh, meals, um, home life, and so on, the making of Kiddush, the walls 
else need to hear it. It provides the correct amount and the correct dose of holiness and the correct dose of healing um, that is required for all the strife and difficulties that perhaps that particular home and perhaps that particular community or our particular world has been going through during the past week. Um, be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. In the second part of uh, what I wanted to get to address and will probably only carry out um, next week, please God, is the idea of Birkat Amazon, Grace After Meals. Now, unfortunately, here too we have noticed, I think you have noticed, I've certainly noticed, that Grace After Meals becomes something that is... Um, a little bit placed on the back burner um, in many, many ways, not only in private homes, in uh, public events, in public life as well. Um, it's that kind of last-minute um, event thing that happens at the end of a wedding, a bar mitzvah, um, a uh, Shabbat meal, and so on. And there's become the unfounded, um, unbelievable, and uh, really incorrect behavior that um, people leave functions or they leave a private meal, probably more noticeable, leaving a private meal before Birkat Amazon, before benching has been said. Um, it's a kind of disrespectful, not only to God, it's kind of disrespectful, I think, to your hosts as well, that you're leaving before the hosts have declared that uh, the meal is actually over. What kind of um, etiquette, what kind of behavior is that actually? Um, and we need to ensure that we're not caught wanting, never mind only in our etiquette and our hum human behaviors, but what kind of a message are we sending to the Almighty? What kind of a message are we sending about our Judaism, about our Yiddishkeit, about our belief in the fact that it's from Hashem that all our food comes in the first place? And the idea of saying please and thank you is the very first First thing that we want to teach our children. And so the please before would we make Kiddush and the thank you afterwards are the essentials of the meal. And perhaps those niceties have all fallen away. And with that, there is the idea that you can just up and leave in the middle of a meal. You can just leave um, and ignore the fact that Birkat Amazon, that benching needs to be said. It is something that needs to be reinvigorated. It needs to be spoken about. It needs to be reinstituted. And hopefully we'll be able to explain a little bit more um, in our next program, um, a little bit more about Grace After Meals, about Birkat Amazon, about some of the etiquette surrounding it, the things that we do and the things that we don't, and um, how it should fulfill a very, very important role within our, not only our Shabbat life, but in our daily life, whenever Birkat Amazon is said that there is the same kind of respect that is um, shown towards it as well. So it's been great to be back with you on this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It's been great to share some thoughts with you on Judaism 101.9. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead. I want to wish you a great rest of the week. Remember that next week is uh, we usher in the month of Adar, um, the first month of Adar. There are two this year because it is a leap year, and so on Tuesday and Wednesday. When I will be back with you will be um, the beginning of happy times, of the happy month of Adar, following after this month of Shvat, which is um, all too quickly winding down. Look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place, on Judaism 101.9.